Father Harrison, do you know who you're speaking to? Who? You are speaking to the future parochial vicar of Holy Spirit Parish in Newcastle, PA. Ah, oh, you guys came up with the name. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, we announced everything this weekend, this past weekend. So this was for all the parishes? This is for all the parishes. So all the parishes will become July 1st, if I remember correctly, July 1st, we will become Holy Spirit Parish. Right. And I will be assigned then to Holy Spirit Parish. I guess that what I meant by that, that is also like all the dioceses, all the parishes' names are changing? No. So it was a group of five. Okay. So there's different churches on different tracks. So gotcha. if you're okay. new to the adventures of the Diocese of Pittsburgh, we're going through this huge reorganization, restructuring project to kind of pool resources, to use them more effectively, you know, but what that really comes down to for most people is there's combining of parishes, closing of church buildings eventually. So we're going through all this. So there's different tracks and my seven parishes were on the fast track. And so I was assigned to these seven parishes in October. In July, they'll be declared one parish. Mm-hmm. And then after that, that's when we start figuring out, okay, what buildings best serve this community? Which ones do we need? Which ones do we not? Uh, how are we going to use them? That kind of thing. Right. So no, no buildings closing yet, but we know what our name will be. And at first, I wasn't so big yeah. on the name. Yeah, you seemed, you seemed, yeah, you seemed a little resistant last time. I was like, I, like parishes should be named Saint something. I don't know. That was my brain. But the more and more I've prayed about it, I'm actually really excited about it now because it's neat that we have seven parishes becoming one, and you've got the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, just yeah. something about it's. I preached about it last weekend, and the whole idea of let's actually become what we are. A spirit, a parish led by the Holy Spirit. I'm actually real geeked up about. Cool. Um, and I've started incorporating more focus on the Holy Spirit in my own prayer life. So, nice. like all things, when you run into like a, a bump or like you pray for something that you don't want, and God gives you something else, you gotta roll with it and try to figure out what is God doing and saying in this situation. So, I'm actually genuinely excited for the new name and the new parish. So, when you guys are established as a new parish on July 1st, will you be celebrating this by celebrating Canada Day? Father Harrison, I'm talking about a very serious subject. I don't appreciate the jokes. <laughs> is that your Canada Day? Is that like yeah. your 4th of July? Yeah. Do you light fireworks? Yeah. Wow. Are they, do, do they, do they explode in the form of maple leaves? I hope. I think I've seen that once or twice. <laughs> I'm kidding. But do you, I mean, it'd be cool if you guys did like a votive mass for the Holy Spirit on the first day of your new parish right when is when is pentecost do we know this it is it's june 9th yeah oh yeah so yeah um we are going to do a thing we're going to when we first became one big old parish yeah we basically rented out uh a high school uh, auditorium and we had all of our masses at that one place right and it was really great because we combined all of the ministries, all of our music ministries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was because you saw in that liturgy the potential of what happens when we gather together in one space using all of our resources. And it was great. So we're going to yeah. do that again uh, sometime in July. And so cool. to kind of celebrate that. And I'm nice. excited because next year I want to go all out with Pentecost. I want to do the Pentecost yeah. vigil. Some people don't yes. know. So you can do like a, it's like an Easter vigil. There's an Easter vigil, but for Pentecost, and I really want to do it next year. Yeah. So that's what's going on with me. Father Harrison, how about you? Well, do you want to introduce the podcast? Yeah, I do. Since, you know, it's your week to host it? It is. Hey, guys. <laughs> Welcome to Calerically Speaking. I'm Father Anthony. And I'm Father Harrison. Uh, what's going on over here? What's going on over here? Um, this past weekend, so I know you guys have Memorial Day long weekend next weekend. I don't even pay attention to that, but yes. We, it's ours is not we don't have Memorial Day we have Victoria Day weekend which celebrates the birthday Ooh. of the queen our <laughs> our matriarch how ridiculous um, and so it was a long weekend so we had a young adult group so this is a young adult group I started up when I was at the cathedral they came up last year for the long weekend and hung out and they really enjoyed it so they came back again so we had Yay. about 10 of the group came up, I think, this time. It was a bit smaller than last year, but they camped out on a parishioner's lawn and uh, went hiking. Wait, with like, like tents and stuff? Yeah. Wow. Because like, this is like... Like in you have a, to build, build igloos, I thought. Uh-huh. That's good. That's my quota. That's my quota. I'm good now. <laughs> uh, they, uh, they had... Um, 
yeah, these are like I have parishioners like where I live. You have the town, but then you have areas out near the lake and stuff. So properties are larger. Um, you don't have as many neighbors and stuff like that. So that's where they stayed in, in an area near the lake on their lawn. So we, they went some hiking, came for mass. We had um, we had a holy hour after mass on Saturday night. Then I had them for dinner here at the rectory, and we just hung out. Sunday, uh, some of them came back for mass again, and then uh, they or the rest just kind of slept in and had breakfast, and then we just kind of hung out for the day, went boating on the lake, and because it was gorgeous, it was. I, I'm trying to. I'm still learning my Fahrenheit's, but I want to say it was like low 80s on Sunday. Ooh, that's very warm. Yeah, it was nice. It was great wow. to go on the lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oh, then, be, and then the house that they were staying at, I went to their place yesterday to say mass. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of nice to have them up, see them. You know, it's it's it was nice socializing. But it, when you're a priest and they they're coming up to hang out with you, it also becomes you know work in a good sense, right? You're doing sure, some pastoral sure. care. You're doing some spiritual direction for people, confessions, yeah. whatever. It was really good though. And yeah. then, um, but I also had a this weekend. I kind of announced my well the added duties that are coming my way and how the Holy Spirit is really kind of challenging us as a parish to stretch ourselves to take on this mission of me going to the West Coast once a month uh, to help that parish that'll have no priest. Yeah. And it was, it was a really good weekend of preaching because actually after our, I, I think part of it was the words of Gomer from our, our uh, ca- Catching Foxes foray okay. about preaching mm-hmm. has stuck with me. And I just listened to it again today. I was like, dang, that was really good. Uh, yeah, for you guys who don't know, we were on the ever famous, ever popular Catching Foxes yeah. uh, podcast last week where we talked, we wanted to talk mostly about the difficulties and struggles and problems with lay ministry, but we talked a lot about the difficulties and problems with the priesthood because they just, they flipped that on us, didn't they? They did. They did. I was they, just like, ah, ridiculous. Ah. It was really good though. It was actually, I mean, we did it for, as a two, it's a two and a half hour episode people. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, so if you're like, you know what, I like clerically speaking, but I want to hear Father Harrison, and Father Anthony talk for like two and a half more hours, then go ahead and listen to Catching exactly. Boxes. But it was good. It was a good conversation. Yeah. So anyway, let's just say that. Uh, so I preached about that on Saturday night. It went really, really well. It was a bit longer homily because I was con- I was putting this in the context of spiritual poverty and everything, and connecting it with the readings, you like. How did they incur? How did Paul and Barnabas encourage the disciples? It's by many sufferings that you will gain enter into the kingdom of God. They said that was their encouragement. Apparently, yes, <laughs> I love that. I was like, that's awesome. Uh, so I was going into all this, but then on Sunday I was preaching this. I don't know if you've had this happen before, mm. but it was definitely a couple of Holy Spirit moments where I was just yeah. like, I have to say this right now, and so I'm going to say this now, even though it's not in my text. And I went off and I almost like it was a weird experience, actually, because I remember this one part when I'm preaching, I I saw myself doing the hand gestures. I heard the words coming out of my mouth, but it wasn't me. Yeah. It was the weirdest thing. It was beautiful. Like It, it, it was a totally human thing, though, too. It wasn't like some. But I was just looking at that as a moment of the Holy Spirit saying, this is the word I want to speak to your parish right now. Right. I think when that happens to me, it's kind of like you're swimming along and you've got like your paddle board and all of a sudden this big wave of the Holy Spirit comes up Yeah. and like you're riding the wave. So like yeah. you're cooperating with it, yeah. but it's really carrying you along yeah. as you preach to the people. And that does happen, I think, particularly uh, more often uh, in homilies than other kinds of preaching for me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a cool thing. That it was a really awesome thing. I, I, I remember one of them was, oh, there's, it was the two points where one of them, I'm, I mean, I'm paraphrasing now because I barely remember what I said. But it won't be as cool paraphrasing. It won't be as cool paraphrasing. <laughs> but one of them was, you know, we have to stop being passive listeners of the gospel if we do not internalize the word that is spoken to us every Sunday through the scriptures, the word encountered in the Eucharist, then we will be risking eternal perdition. Yeah. That was the first word, but it was it, it was much cooler than that. Uh, sure. It really was. I was like, but the second one was if, you know, too often fa- I've heard of families discouraging priests and religious or men and women to become priests and religious. If you don't love priests and religious, you don't love the Eucharist. Because if you love the Eucharist, you want those things. And so mm. if you don't love that, you don't love the Eucharist. If you don't love the Eucharist, you don't love the Mass. If you don't love the Mass, you don't love Jesus. <laughs> <Whew>. <laughs> and I said, you I, have to check that. And yeah. that was, those were my Holy Spirit moments, which was kind of awesome. But that was a That's 20, it was a 27-minute homily. Wow. <laughs> well, there you go. There I mean, you go. I think it's kind of cool. Like, yeah, yeah. No, it is cool. Um, it's a good thing. 
uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so Father Harrison. Yeah. You know, as as a priest, we have to be very careful with our words, right? Right. Because if someone mishears us, then we can get into a lot of trouble. So I'm more sensitive to the way I, I put things than I was three years ago. Yeah. And earlier on in this very podcast, when you were mentioning Memorial Day, I said, I don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. Now, someone may hear that and oh, think that yeah. I don't care about Memorial Day, okay? That's not what, what I meant was when it comes to little holidays like that, I still have to work. So that's why they kind of sneak up on me because it's not like I'm taking the Monday off. I'm still offering mass. A lot of times I have meetings with people. I'm still doing stuff. That's all I meant by that, not yes. what Memorial Day signifies. There we go. But someone who was very clear whenever he was speaking or writing was Thomas Aquinas. And now it's time for the Summa Theologica. Summa Theologica. Summa Theologica. Summa Theologica. Summa Theologica. We talk about the Theologica. Summa Theologica. The Summa Theologica? Dang it! I was, dang it, dang it, dang it, dang it. <laughs> Finally, it wasn't me this time. <laughs> I was so happy with a... I, that I was, was a great was, transition. I, was, was I didn't transition. see it coming. It made sense. I was excited about it. And in my hubris, I failed. <laughs> oh, welcome to the Summa Theologica. No, dang it. Welcome to the Summa Tweetologica. And for those of you who don't know, let me educate you. The Summa Theologica was St. Thomas Aquinas' summary of theology, and the Summa Tweetologica is our summary of things we found interesting on Twitter. So, first up is from Adam, comma, but Pascal, at Adam C. Boyle. He says, Americanism is a heresy. Voting in local elections is not. American the flag emoji, thumbs up emoji, is a picture of his voter receipt. And I like this because I think it seems like a lot of people, particularly on Twitter, because they are so kind of fed up with the Americanism heresy, which is kind of like America is the new Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. America is like the chosen land and people. Instead of saying like this is a country where good things can happen and I can live out my faith, it's like the country and the politics take precedence over the gospel that's americanism which is a heresy mm. but a lot of people seem to be like very they go kind of almost overboard with that and think that like oh you know screw voting screw being a part of the process and all that stuff and i think that's kind of going overboard mm -hmm. because thomas aquinas says we should be good citizens as mm -hmm. much as we can and voting is a good thing to do but did democracy exist when saint thomas existed uh, did it? No, not like that for sure, right? Maybe Thomas would think different if he encountered America. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I, don't know. I, I agree. <laughs> I'm just being. No, no, it's good. I'm being a jerk. Uh, but yeah, I think participating in civil things is good as long as it doesn't go crazy. But anyways, voting in your local elections, that's being a good citizen. Thumbs up. There ain't nothing wrong it with is, that. It is. It's a good thing to vote. It's just I, I find myself too like getting jaded with I just... I just wonder how much the current system as it is can hold itself, I guess. So I just, I look at, I, I get jaded by politicians. I think m almost all of them are liars and very few of them actually <laughs> care about the common good. Yeah. And so um, there are, have been times where in an election, I've actually felt that I couldn't vote for anyone. So mm -hmm. I spoiled my ballot. What does that mean? It means that I made it so that it wouldn't count as a vote, but I voted. Ah, uh, okay. I yeah, use yeah. my right when to you vote. You spoiled I, your ballot. I'm like, did you put it in cheese curds? Like, what did you do with your ballot? I don't get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just like you, you did the civic action. Yeah. But your vote didn't go toward anybody because I just couldn't, in good conscience, vote for anyone, right? But so but I, I mean, like, that's yeah, a good and, balance, I think, though. and I think that's a fair balance. No, some people. Oh, I've said that before, and I'm sure it's going to happen again now because I just said it. I've had people go after me for that. Well, yes, but I think this is where 
you know, we don't go farther than what the church teaches. Exactly. And part of what voting entails is voting by your conscience. Yep. And yes, there are people who use that as an excuse to ignore church teaching. Mm-hmm. But don't let the people who break the rule invalidate the rule itself. And there are times where, like, with a well-informed conscience, the best thing you can do is not to vote. Mm-hmm. That's an acceptable thing to happen. Yep. Good. Good on you voting there, Adam. Uh, so my next one is from at Bishop Umbers, which was like, for me, the peak Bishop Umbers tweet. Heck yeah. In my discursive prayer yesterday with our Lord, it seemed perfectly natural to employ a meme template in my mind. How others see you, how you see you, how you really are. So you know those um, memes? Yeah, you have like, like there's like, uh, how's it go? Like uh, how your friends see you, how your mom, th- what your mom thinks you do, what your society thinks you do, parishioners think you do, what children might think you do, or what, yeah, I, really, yeah. what I really do. He, that was what was going through his mind in his prayer yesterday. And I just, I just found this really funny because this is like almost like a meta tweet from Bishop Umbers in so many ways. I mean, he is the king of memes. Yes. Um, no one surpasses him, his, his memeness. Uh, and I just thought that this was really hilarious that the Lord used his humanity mm-hmm. in his prayer in a beautiful way, which is the way prayer should be, right? It's, it's about God's going to use your humanity. And so he's going to talk to you in a way that you can understand. And for Bishop Umbers, it's memes. And so there you, you go. Know what? I, you, if you are on social media and you pray and you tell me, that you've never prayed or received something in prayer via meme format. I call you, sir or madam, a liar. Because this is this has happened to me like several times really? before while praying. Oh, absolutely. I, honestly, yeah. honestly, actually, I haven't. Well, well, maybe God speaks to you in different ways. And I, that's he, I think I, I tend to, I'm more of an abstract person. So I think that's probably why. Yeah, but I've totally had the same experience that yeah. Bishop Umbers has where it's yeah, like pops into my head. I giggle a bit and try to move on because I don't want to get too distracted by it. But sometimes like, uh, yeah, now, that happens. I will say though, I will I will counter that a bit. I have had times where memes have been like my response to this situation. Yeah, sure. I remember I was walking, you know the uh, butterfly meme where the guy is has his hand up, there's the butterfly, and then the question is this, whatever. It, yes, because the original one is like, he's looking at the butterfly and says, is this a bird? Right. That's the original template. Yes. Yes. So I was walking through Walmart one day and I saw mm-hmm. a lot of elderly people and they would all take a look because I'm in my collar. So everyone's just looking whenever they walk by. They <laughs> see. And so the first thought that went through my head, it was, I'm the guy with the handout. The butterfly is old people. And the question is, is this a parishioner? Yeah. <laughs> and that was a legitimate uh because i even in a smaller parish you don't remember every face and so i'm right. like am i ignoring a parishioner now i don't know i'm afraid now um oh, but I've that was the, yeah that was the meme that went through my head in that moment no absolutely because that's how to be like because sometimes people just stare at you because you have a collar yeah and it's the same thing if it's like an older person staring at me i think are you from my parish? Are you trying to get my attention? I don't know. So anyway, moral of the story, if you want to get the attention of your priest out in public, say hello. Don't just stare him down and wait for him to say something because mm-hmm. we don't know. Yeah. We're, we're dumb. Yeah. Okay. Um, next tweet is from Cassidy Stinson at Happy Seminarian. And his tweet says, 11 days to hashtag ordination day, getting ready for the real thing. And it's a picture of him practicing mass on a kitchen table and it made me real happy so cassidy stinson who's at happy seminarian has got to find a new twitter handle because he's getting ready to get ordained and it is ordination season it's been mm-hmm. so wonderful to see all these things on social media about guys getting ordained yeah you see i had the opposite reaction to his tweet uh-huh i was angry why are you angry at how cassidy? dare he imitate the mysteries of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when he is not a true priest. Isn't the grace strong enough for him to just be able to just say mass without any practice once he's a priest? Well, Father Harrison, not everyone is as holy as you and I. Some people actually had to practice mass before they said it. I'm kidding, Cassidy. I'm kidding. It's a joke. It's a joke. No one think that that was serious. Uh but yeah, no, no, it's great. It's been kind of fun to see his excitement, and he's been using it 
quite like he's been using his Twitter Twitter profile quite well for kind of the this period, and it's been really neat to see. It's kind of neat to see like yeah, these seminarians and deacons and stuff kind of grow into priesthood over Twitter now, and it's kind of and it's part and because Catholic Twitter has grown a lot, um, yeah. it's a real community thing now. We're all really excited. It's nice to have new priests big to get into the priest DM. Yeah, but, and 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 we have the right to refuse. It's we always do. great. We do. It's awesome. Uh, but yeah, so it's just, it's great. Good job, Cassidy. We're I looking will say forward this to about, I am so glad I practice as much as I did before my first mass. So hmm. any guy who's getting ready for uh, their, their first mass, practice at least once a day. Because even though it's a simple ritual, the ordinary form is pretty simple. There's just so much emotion and stuff going through you. But it's so cool to have it down pat where you can at least even though your mind might be racing for the people watching they see you celebrate mass and it's very edifying for them because yeah. they'll be like oh look at him he can already do it he look how comfortable he looks you're freaking out but you look comfortable i think that's really good for the people and good for yourself so you don't like just start crying on the altar overwhelmed by emotion you practice enough that it's that's it's like kind of in your body already and so. you, you folks couldn't see this but while father anthony was talking he had his index finger and thumb pinched like he was saying the extraordinary form while he was talking. That's how much. What? That's yeah. You yeah. You were like this. You were doing like this. It was like you're like this, and no one can see what I'm doing right now. But Father Anthony can. He can get it. Yes. And it was just kind of funny. I'm like, oh, you're you're gone. You've gone even more trad. Uh, you know, I've I have received. This is fascinating. Just a side note. I have received from parishioners uh, DVDs, instruction manuals. Mm-hmm. And a fiddleback chasuble. And the DVDs and instruction manuals were for the extraordinary form. Mm-hmm. And I've only just begun to glance at it because, believe it or not, with seven parishes and everything going on, I'm kind of busy right now. But it's something that's kind of still on my radar, but I just yeah. haven't been able to develop the time because it takes a long time. There are so many rubrics for the extraordinary form, Father Harrison. So many. Yes. Yeah, I, I would like to learn it too. I just haven't. Yeah, I want to learn some Latin to go with it though too. My Latin I is non-existent. Uh, yeah, I know yeah. I know some words. Oh, this it's just a cute fun tweet from at BD McClay. Flew next to a mother and her toddler child out of out of nowhere. Him, mama, her, yes, him. When I die, are vultures going to eat me? I mean. That's a good question. I just like there's a chance. There <laughs> it is depends ch- how you die, little buddy. It depends. <laughs> I, I I just love this tweet. I thought it was very. I mean, it's a very. This is this is the thought process of children. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's um, it's they are thinking about things that aren't even on our radar, and it was such a child's question. I just thought it was just super adorable. And it shows you how concrete kids' thinking really is. It's not in abstractions. Mm-hmm. It's when these things happen. And, and also you have to wonder, what have they encountered in media or in storytelling that is making this thought go through their mind? Yeah, right? Because it came from somewhere. Yeah, it's not out of nowhere. And it's funny how they're not, I mean, who knows exactly what emotions were behind this kid, but they're not afraid to like ask those questions. Mm-hmm. Whereas sometimes when a parent hears them, they're like, how do I answer this without freaking out my child? Where like, they're like just curious. Yeah. So it was just a adorable tweet and it was fun. That's good. All right. So now it's time for Patreon pontifications. Patreon pontifications. You support us. We read your tweets. Please consider donating to our Patreon. Money goes to paying for our equipment and podcast hosting fees, as well as paying producer Nick a just wage for all the work he does. Any money collected that goes beyond that will be donated to the missionaries of charity. Go to patreon.com slash clerically speaking to have a chance at having your chosen tweet talked about on the podcast. And just as a reminder, everyone who subscribes to our Patreon and donates will receive the brand new super fancy clerically speaking sticker if you subscribe before the end of may and they're so cool and awesome that father anthony has some producer nick has some Mm -hmm. father harrison doesn't so you might even get stickers before father harrison does (laughs) if you subscribe imagine that how amazing (laughs) cool so who what's our tweet from 
This week's tweet comes from Alex at the real Alex Raj. He says, This is the one thing that has kept this day from crashing and burning, and it is a picture of the Blessed Sacrament in a monstrance. Nice. And sometimes I think we get real complicated with our theology and real complicated with our spiritual advice when all we really need to do is just sit before our Eucharistic Lord and just be there. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, it's, um, I was going to say, I, I have been trying to do like more consistently at the same time every day, my holy hour. And it's just, yeah. it's also like just amazing how it can, yeah, it brings peace to your day. It's like this place where you don't have to do anything. Like it's leisure in a good sense. And yeah. it orders your life in amazing ways. Right. I, yeah, it's, it's, um, if you're not making prayer, like the first thing of your day, then you're not doing prayer. Right. Yeah. Right. But it's just, but like, but it's also great. Like when you have that refuge, like if you have a church that has an adoration chapel or you're near a church that has it a lot during the weeks or just sitting at open church, so you can go sit in front of the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. amazing how much the, that presence is a refuge for Catholics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it really is. And it's, you know, it's pretty obvious through my experience I mean, obviously I know this, but it's obvious also through my experience that it's different than just sitting in a room. Mm-hmm. And it's even different than just praying in a room, even though yeah. that can be very good as well. Like mm-hmm. there's something, even if I am utterly distracted the entire time in prayer, graces are being secretly worked on the soul that mm-hmm. is in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. Mm-hmm. So don't put, even if you can make it to your holy hour or your holy half hour or your holy 50 minutes, don't beat yourself up if you don't think you prayed good. The mm-hmm. fact that you put yourself in front of the Lord in some way, even if it's not in front of our Eucharistic Lord, but you put him in front of him in some way, like, yeah, God can still do good stuff in your yep. soul, even if you don't feel it right away. Exactly. Yeah, I had a hor like I did my holy hour this morning. It was horrible. It did, like, I just felt <laughs> not focused. Yeah. But I stayed till the end. And yeah. I'm really glad I did because I just know that the Lord in the end, he'll do it. And he knows mm-hmm. I'm an idiot and he knows that I got to, like, not be so distracted and try to keep my phone further away from me in the chapel and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, he, he works with it and he, uh, he really, uh, yeah, he comes through. Yep. Yep. Uh, great. Thanks Alex for uh, being one of our Patreon supporters. We appreciate it. Okay. Well, Father Harrison, my holy hour also was not as nice as I wanted to be. I was filled with anxiety and anxiety more or less attack that I've had since last evening, so I couldn't pray at all. So let's talk about what happens when you're depressed and anxious in this week's presbyteral exhortations. So just to add to some anxiety, I I need a pee break. (laughs) Okay. I just know, I already know what's going to You know what Nick's going to do. (laughs) Because producer Nick can't help himself if he thinks something's funny. Hi everyone, producer Nick here, and I've got to say, I just can't believe that Father Harrison and Father Anthony would ever think, would ever think that I would make fun of bodily functions on a podcast. Priests are public figures. I would never make fun of someone who has to take a pee break. Peeing is totally normal, it's totally natural. And it's not funny at all. (laughs) And now it is time for Presbyteral Exhortations. Oh, yes. Quite good, quite good. Indubitably. I bet they can't wait to learn. They're gonna learn so much. It's my favorite part. Yes, quite, yes. We'll wait and see what happens on Friday. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So we've gotten a few comments via our DMs, via email, whatever else you guys contact us, asking us to talk about mental illness uh, and specifically depression and anxiety stuff because that seems to be the most common. Uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Luke Brown at Luke Brown Learns, asked uh, if we would talk about this as well, and a lot of people have. And the thing is, Father Harrison and I are not psychologists, nope. nor are we therapists, nor are we 
What's the other one? What's the one that can give you drugs? Psychiatrist, psychologist? Psychiatrist. Okay. Yes. One of those. Anyway, we're not any of that. We are just parish priests. That being said, if you work in a parish, you're going to have to deal and understand on a certain level mental illness. I was actually kind of surprised how often I dealt with it, particularly in my old assignments, where you would be dealing with somebody, uh, ministering to somebody who had some kind of or some uh, extent struggling with mental illness uh, on a weekly basis, I would say, whether or not that was depression, anxiety, um, other things. So it happens pretty often because I think it's something that's pretty common now. So we can't necessarily talk with expertise about these sort of things, but we can talk about them in the sense of how they affect our ministry, Mm -hmm. how they affect um, the spiritual life, and how to differentiate between. I thought a good way to talk about it was just to kind of begin with my experience of all this. Cool. Does that sound okay? Sounds good. Okay, so story time. Once upon a time, I am a young seminarian, 18, 19 years old. I think it's my first year of seminary. And our bishop was meeting with each and every seminarian. He was inviting them in to have conversations. And of course, we were all kind of freaking out. What is the bishop going to say? What is he going to talk to us about? And guys, when they were done with their meeting, we would be chatting and they said, you know, what did you talk to the bishop about? Oh, he was talking about what kind of priest I want to be. We were talking about seminary stuff. We were talking about the priesthood. It sounded like all kinds of really good, like fun conversations to have with your bishop, talking about the thing we enjoy or the thing we want, priesthood. So it's like, oh, okay, this will be pretty cool. Because mm-hmm. not everyone gets to talk with their bishop like this, right? Mm-hmm. I remember going into his office and sitting down, and there was a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a small talk, but pretty much right away, he looks at me and says, "Anthony, we want you to see a therapist." Hmm. Which was like, "What? Nobody else was talking about this. I didn't hear anyone else say that they were gonna they were gonna go see a therapist." I started freaking out because one caught me by surprise, but also I think a part of me knew it was something that I had to do. But I mean, to that up until that point in my life. I had never had any experience with this. I mm-hmm. didn't know anybody who was. It wasn't something that was like talked about. Uh, yeah. So it was very hard just to hear my bishop say, this is what we, you know, himself and the rest of the faculty want you to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like immediately, my, my mind right away went to, I don't want to take drugs. I don't want to do this. I don't want to share my thoughts with another person who's mm-hmm. not like a priest. Like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But the thing is, and it was actually a grace at the time, like if your bishop asks you to do something and you're practicing the obedience you're going to live out as a priest, you should probably go do it, right? Yes. <laughs> as long as it's a good sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was good. I thought you were asking that rhetorically. That, it sounded rhetorical, and there's not a lot you can do with that question other than say yes, so that wasn't like a helpful question to you. <laughs> So yeah, so I went. Um, so some background. Uh, in high school, especially near the end, I was pretty sure I was depressed. It's hard to tell sometimes, especially when you're in high school, because there's so many emotions and stuff going on. But I was struggling with the feeling of just wanting to cry in the middle of class. I wanted to sleep all the time. I um, felt terrible but it wasn't as bad as when i got to seminary when i got to seminary things got way 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 worse because i am dealing with the fact that i'm moving away from home for the first time uh i'm the oldest i'm the first one to do this i'm engaging on this crazy thing called seminary a lot of things in the seminary at the time weren't helpful as far as changing faculty and other things so all of this is happening at once Mm -hmm. and i was struggling greatly with anxiety and depression and this is how they this is how they manifested or i experienced them um first of all the anxiety was pretty crippling we had to do a lot of stuff in seminary of going to these like events Mm -hmm. and we basically had to schmooze with people so we put on our our blue blazers and our tie and everyone was so excited to see us because we were seminarians and we were the future of the church and you had to go out and talk with people you didn't know and you had to make them feel good because maybe they were the ones giving you money and there was a very high pressure situation for me and I, I 
I'm kind of introverted to begin with, mm-hmm. but introversion is different than having like the social anxiety. So I would get physically ill. Like I couldn't move. I could barely speak to people. Mm. I couldn't eat the entire day that one of these events was going on. It was crippling, crippling. Mm. I couldn't do human things when I knew I had to go do one of these events. It was very difficult when I would do uh, social uh, outreach ministry when I worked in the soup kitchen. Same sort of deal. I like could barely even move. That's how the extent of the the anxiety, um, and the depression got really bad in seminary as well. And the way I try to describe it is that I didn't want to be where I was. I didn't want to be anywhere else either. Same sort of thing. I didn't want to move. You, it was like being being sucked into kind of this black hole where you just didn't want to exist anymore. Right. I remember getting it so bad that this thought popped into my head. I realized, oh, this is why people kill themselves. It's because Mm. of this right here. I get it. And it was like, oh, yeah, I understand why someone would do that. Mm. Now, I had never, like, seriously contemplated suicide. I think a lot – I think faith was very helpful for that. I think my upbringing was also very helpful for that. But I totally was able to empathize with people. Like, it made sense. Right. And to get to a point where that makes sense was kind of scary. That's super scary because you see you see also like um, what's possible for you, yeah, right. That's and that's a scary thing. Like you, you may not be there, but you you can see where it can go, and that's mm-hmm. never fun. And when you're stuck in this kind of like cloud, this sludge, it's very difficult to reach out to people. And the few times I did, it wasn't helpful because uh, people didn't know how to handle it. And this is one of the most difficult things about. Um, I think a clinical uh, depression is that you're afraid to reach out to people and you're afraid you're bothering people when you're doing it, but you also need to reach out to them. But at the same time, a person with depression does kind of have this kind of black cloud hanging around them a little bit Mm -hmm. too. It's, it's hard to be around someone with depression. Mm -hmm. It takes effort. And if you've got a bunch of young guys in seminary who are busy doing other things, a lot of times we weren't necessarily good. We didn't know how to handle that. Right. So it was this kind of this thing that was going on. It was very, very difficult. So that was in brief my experience of it. Uh, so started going to a therapist. And this guy, I don't know all the technical terms, but his big thing was helping me like sort of change the way that I thought. Kind of practical <laughs> advice and tips and things to do to help me become functioning. So even stuff as basic as getting exercise and uh, eating when you can, this kind of stuff, and and other kind of mental things. And it was helpful enough, and just talking about a little bit was helpful enough where I was able to kind of get through seminary those first four years. But I think even throughout that, it was still tough. Right. And But uh, after seeing this guy for a while, for some reason, I couldn't see him anymore. I forget if he retired or something else. And then I had to find a new therapist. And this is something that I think a lot of people who realize that they have a problem with depression or anxiety or something else, like as a Catholic, how do you find a good therapist? Hmm. Like mm-hmm. what equals a good therapist? Do you, have, do you have any ideas, Father Harrison? Honestly, I don't. I just know people who are good at this or that or have an expertise in counseling in this field or whatever. And that's kind of where I just throw people towards because, um, I mean, I think you have that basic thing of, can you find someone who will have the kind of same moral outlook as you? Yes. Because you can find accounts like, um, I've dealt with people who are dealing with stuff around, let's say sexual addiction. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not going to be helpful to them to send them to a, uh, counselor who doesn't see pornography as a problem. Right. Right. As an example, as an example. Yeah, and I think that's a big thing. So the first therapist I saw, he was Anglican, but he was willing to, like, the spiritual outlook was was close enough where even if mm-hmm. he didn't understand something, he could respect it. Um, and then I kind of had trouble finding a, a new one because the fir- mm-hmm. one of the first people I saw did not have the same moral outlook. And that can be a really terrifying thing Yeah, because there's a lot of trust that goes into a patient-therapist kind of you know relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you can't trust someone... And if you have to like teach your therapist morality or if you have to like teach them spirituality so they get where you're coming from, I don't think that's a healthy thing and a good yeah. thing. So my big thing is when people are asking me, find someone who at the very least respects 
your worldview and your world outlook, which is the mm-hmm. Catholic one, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, it's not necessarily their job, because even though the spiritual and the mental world are very, very related, they are different. And what you need help from a therapist is this uh, psychological aspect. So as long as they don't try to dabble in the spiritual or shut that down in you, it can be good. So you don't necessarily need to have a Catholic therapist. You just need to have one that has they can at least respect your outlook. Right. Now, if you can have a, a good Catholic therapist, excellent. But uh, part of that thing is, what did say, I think St. Teresa of Avila said she'd rather have a s- smart spiritual director than a holy one. Yeah. Does that ring a bell? Yeah. And her basic thing was like, have, go to someone who knows what they're doing. And that's, that's the biggest thing, I think. Like you're going for psychological help, go to someone who's good at that. Okay. So I kind of bounced around a little bit and then just kind of quit because things were going more or less well enough. After that, went to major seminary. And after about a year there, noticing the problems creeping back again, needing to process in another way all the things that were changing in my life. It was me who went to the faculty at seminary saying, hey, I think I need to do this. Mm-hmm. And it was actually my spiritual director who recommended somebody. And I started going to see this guy. And a lot of seminarians had gone to see the same guy. And this kind of therapy was a lot more kind of diving into my past and where these things are coming from. So it was right. a lot of discussion about family life, growing up, this sort of thing. And it was really, really helpful. Oh, the reason why I was able to jump into this therapy again was actually because of something spiritual. So this kind of talks about how they were related. I had a deep spiritual experience over the summer at a retreat where all of a sudden in prayer, this is long story short, in prayer, God was bringing up old memories in me that I had repressed. He was bringing these up again and they were moments of hurt, Mm -hmm. especially when I was younger. And like, I had forgotten about them. I had like pushed them away and all of a sudden they were coming up again and I was freaking out. What does this mean? Why is God showing me this? So that's one of the reasons why I went back to therapy. It was like, okay, let's deal with this then, uh, which was very good. And it was helpful then to understand where a lot of this was coming from. Something about knowing yourself and knowing at least why you get triggered by things and why things are difficult mm-hmm. is very helpful. When you become a little bit less of a mystery to yourself, I found that incredibly helpful. Yeah. And then on top of that, what do you do when these things do get triggered, when you do find yourself falling into this uh, and how to, how to deal with that, how to, how to act through that was very helpful. And so I did like two or th- I think two years of therapy in minor seminary mm-hmm. and then like three or four uh, in major seminary and was very grateful for all that. I was, I began by seeing a therapist, actually it was every week for a while. Um, and then it was a little bit less and a little bit less. And so it worked. Now, something I still struggle with, it's not nearly as bad, nearly as debilitating, but a lot of times I can enter into kind of like a low level depression or a low level anxiety. Um, but for me, I can still get through my day and kind of work through it. Um, I'm open if that ever gets bad again, uh, Mm -hmm. to go back to a therapist. I'm even Mm -hmm. open more now than I would be in the past of, um, of medication. Mm -hmm. Uh, because I can see how that can be helpful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because there are some times when like, okay, I know why this is happening. I'm doing everything I can on a natural level to like, to fight against it, but it's still freaking like destroying me. Mm -hmm. I don't see any reason why it's wrong to take medication in in cases like that. Um, So this is all purely my experience Mm -hmm. and how I've dealt with it. Okay, so by no means, like you're not Father Anthony. I hope some of this stuff, if you're struggling with it, is helpful just to hear it. But if if you think this is something that that you struggle with and and are afflicted with, like go go figure out what you need to do. And I really want to encourage. I think every priest is good at this. Everyone I've talked about, mm-hmm. none of us are ever afraid of telling people to go see a therapist. Mm-hmm. And we do it kind of, I think, fairly often because we want you to get better, just like we would want you to go to a doctor or go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like. As you as you have more experiences around things like doing some spiritual direction or confessions, you can start to get a, a handle on. Like in the end, most things are are a spiritual thing, right? There's a spiritual lie we've bought into, or something like that, and that requires spiritual direction. But it can manifest itself sometimes in um, in human ways 
that require the skills and techniques of counseling that we're not trained in. Like a lot of people come to the priest expecting us to be psychologists, essentially. And I'm like, well, that's not my job. I mean, I can point out questions. I can ask questions. And I think counseling is always going to take a, a mode within spirit direction a little bit. But we're not counselors by training unless we've done the training, right? Um, and I, so that's when we'll say it's like, you know, I'm, so we've talked about this. This is a spiritual thing you need to work on, but this is something else you need to kind of get to the root issue with, and that's not my area. So here's a counselor's number. Go go and talk to them, right? Uh, because we can, here's the, and this is the reason we do it. Because if we try to fix it ourselves, we can very easily do more damage than good. Yes. Mm-hmm. And while it is very easy for priests to think we can fix everything, we can't. And you, do, you kind of have to always keep that humility as a priest to say, "This is not. This is out of my purview now." Um, if you're if you're struggling with suicidal ideation, I can give you some spiritual tips on how to deal with that. But the root causes are outside of my domain. Yeah. Right. And so that's when I say, "We. What do you? Th-? But you don't just drop it. Oh, you need to go see a counselor. Um, it's more of a. What, have you thought? Have you talked to someone about this in therapy mm-hmm. before? No." Have you thought about that? Why Why do you have some hesitations to that? So you can do the groundwork there to help even open their heart to that idea so that they don't resist it as much. Because like, yeah, I think your, like the initial reaction you initially shared there, that's probably most people's reaction to it. Right. Because even though it's better now, there's still a stigma. And particularly there's a stigma, I believe, in Catholic circles that like if you go to see a therapist, it's like you're going to see a witch doctor. Right. Which is really against our understanding of the human person. Like we, uh, there's a very Catholic understanding of why therapy is good, just like seeing a doctor would be good. Uh, and sometimes it's also a little bit difficult for people to accept the fact that we all want to believe what we're going through is a dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. Because, because a dark night of the soul, when we hear that, we're like, oh, that's what saints do. Right? right? I'm going through a dark night of the soul. No, you're actually just clinically depressed. And sometimes hearing that, it, it wounds our pride a bit too. Like, no, 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 no. I just have this wound I have to deal with. It's not a spiritual gift from God. It's it's a cross or it's a wound that needs to be healed. And that can be hard for people to, to change that kind of frame of mindset. Mm-hmm. But in that, if you accept that, you're actually going to be entering into the deeper parts of the spiritual life because you'll be exercising and growing your humility. Yeah. And a lot of times we want to make everything a spiritual problem when it's not, and that's dangerous. It's dangerous, and it Catholics have a tendency to constantly over-spiritualize, mm-hmm. so, which is not... And, and I say that more like in the sense of like the divine rather than ourselves. So we tend to see God will just do all this stuff or uh, that's what's that's what's at play here when actually no we just need to deal with our humanity so that it can be the soil through which grace can actually do its work yeah and the question can be okay why isn't god fix these things and i'm not gonna perfectly answer that question right now but even though going through i went through and to a far far lesser extent far far lesser Mm -hmm. extent i'm so much uh i'm so thankful for where i am now Um, but it's because of that hard work because that's another thing like therapy is really hard work Mm -hmm. like i dreaded going every week not because it was bad because like ah crap i don't want to deal with this stuff again but i mean the stuff's still there the stuff isn't going to magically go away and trying to be more and more honest with my therapist trying to do the stuff he told me to do like it's freaking work right but i'm so grateful for it because one it did teach me humility uh it helped me be more merciful to myself it made me more sensitive to the woundedness of others and i think it's made me a better priest right uh because of that because like it's a lot of self-examination so uh, i'm less likely to take my junk and dump it on someone else as well right so something about that long painful process i i if you told me i was going to be grateful for it when i was in the middle of it I would have thought you were a crazy person, but like now I can be truly grateful. I don't want to do it again. I would never want to go through it again, Mm -hmm. but I'm very grateful I did. And I'm also open now if I were to struggle with that 
in a strong way again, I would immediately go see someone. And it, it, it's been good. And it's yeah. also um, some of the skills you learn. Uh, it's helped me be a better spiritual directee, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. You know, because I'm better at examining myself, seeing what's going on. I can be more honest with my spiritual director. Um, for pre-small groups, like you kind of learn a skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's been helpful. Yeah. So why does God allow this? I can't say definitively for sure, but I can see some of the fruits in my own life looking back over those past years. So do you think the uh, overemphasis can go in the other direction, though, too, where people want to over-psychologize everything that's going on in them? And it's like, like, so I guess I say that, not I'm not saying that, like, but I, I've encountered a couple times where people over-examine maybe a bit of sloth in their life. Mm-hmm. And they'll just go through the genealogy. I'm like, well, in the end, you just got to kind of start growing up a little bit, right? And they'll <laughs> be like, where it gets I? tough to talk right? about. And they'll say, oh, should I go see a counselor? I've been seeing a counselor. I'm like, I don't know if you need to see a counselor about that because like, you know, like there's like, you know what I mean? Like, I guess you, we were talking about over-spiritualizing. And I guess with the other, the way I'm thinking about it, it's like you can overhumanize it to the point where it's like every little thing has, we think it ha, there's some deep root cause to it. And we have to go through this deep healing process with every small thing. And that also can be a detriment as well, because we're yeah. not actually, first, we're not taking personal responsibility in the places we should be. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm, I'm saying this with all the caveats necessary, right? Obviously. So please take caveats into account. Um, but when you're over, when you're kind of like, like and then, I mean, I guess there could be counseling there, but it would be like narcissism, right? Where Well, I think, I think the thing is, if you go to a good professional counselor, they'll be able to tell what's going on. That's true. And, yeah. they, and they, will, they, um, they won't let you indulge in that. Did you, um, did you one, of the best th- one of the best ever, things, Mike. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Sorry. I, cut yeah, you I said one of the best things, you know, I, I heard my counselor say, because I was getting into one of these funks and I was worried, like, is my counselor like me? And like, am I doing good? Like, and he said to me, like, flat out, and it's what I needed, to, it's what I needed to hear in the moment. He said, I don't care. I don't care about you. Yeah. I'm just trying to help you get better. Like there was something about that disinterested yeah. action that was like, oh, yeah. it, it broke me out of it. Yeah. Um, but what you're saying as far as, um, you know, do people maybe over psychologize some things? Uh, it's tough because yeah. I, do, I would never want to discourage someone from seeing a counselor because that's right. kind of Absolutely. where the emphasis is. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to like, okay, do I need to see a counselor? I think a good general principle is, is this stopping me from living my life? Right. Did you like, ever, yeah. I think that's a good, and, and if you're not sure, I mean, go see someone good and they'll tell you, they'll like help you through it, I think. See an episode of this, did you watch The Simpsons growing up? I did not so much. Oh man, okay, well this is gonna... You're well, not I'm get sure whoever's joke. listening is very excited for your Simpsons I, reference. All we're, all, as we're talking about this, I'm just thinking about the time when um, Ned Flanders is calling his pastor about every little thing that's going on. And it's like, uh, Pastor, I I think I swallowed a toothpick. And, <laughs> and it's just like this, like the most inane things. And you yeah. get over, like you overemphasize them to the point where they're actually not another person's problem at all, and you can actually become aware to them, right? Yeah. I just, I don't know. That's, that's speaking of memes earlier. The Simpsons was right. just kind of bumping into my head as an example with that for some reason. I just kept on thinking about that scene, so I just had yeah. to get it out of my system. But even even the the desire to like bring everything mm-hmm. or to a priest, something like that, that's something that needs to be addressed in some way as well. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it's that's a job. Like a lot of times, people go to see their priests because one, the priests are free. Yeah. And and counseling can be real expensive, man. Uh, it can be. Uh, if you are trying to find someone, I think a good way to go is um, uh, call your local Catholic charities. A lot of times they have lists yeah. of people who are good. Um, and, and maybe they even can help you out with that. Because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's flat out expensive sometimes. Yeah. Um, so people a lot of times go to their priest first because the priest is free. And I have I had times where I feel like this person is just using me because they need a friend Mm -hmm. yes but that's my job to deal with that in an appropriate way so i guess my thing about your concern is that a professional it's up to the professional not so much to the person who may be sick you know 
So that's like fair. that's fair. You that's know how like like your your parents are people who like you. As soon as you get sniffles, they say just go see a doctor. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. Because the doctor will say you just got sniffles, or he'll say no 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 here's this medication. Yeah. So I think that's where I land on all. Yeah, that. No, that that's fair. I um. Yeah, I had. I remember I had a so, like it's, but it's also interesting though too because like I had someone say they came to see me see me about some relationship stuff of a yeah. relationship they were in. I don't know where they were at in their faith. It never really. We never really got to that. They, she came to see me a few times, but it was very interesting because she goes, you know, this has been really helpful. I feel I should be paying you for this. <laughs> yeah. I said, no, no, no. You can make a donation to the church. I don't want anything. Right. But right, it was like, right, right. but it's like, so it's the opposite thing. I don't know. I just remember that example because like, I mean, we do do counseling. I think it's the nature of the job. We do, mm-hmm. but like our, we will wreck it. You don't be offended if a priest says I'm outside of my skill set. Yeah. I think uh, maybe it's good to clarify. I think there's, Four things we do, let's count them out. So one is, uh, and I think it's important to differentiate these things. One is confession. Yeah. That's a sacrament. It's about your sins and God forgiving you. Two is pastoral counseling. So that's like helping you deal maybe with a family situation or uh, just a, a relationship situation, or I'm going through a difficult time and I need to see the priest once, but I don't want to do the third thing, which is spiritual direction, which is an ongoing relationship where it's helping you listen to the Holy Spirit and help you to gain freedom in the Spirit. That's how I would define spiritual direction, helping you to gain freedom in the Spirit. And then um, the fourth one, and this is the one I think every priest should try to avoid as much as they can, is giving advice. Because in the other ones, in some way, you're engaging with the Spirit. Like, I think the priest should hesitate to just give advice. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I think we need to watch out for that. Yeah. Now it, maybe it'll happen. Maybe like maybe someone asked, like if someone were to ask me of how to build something super cool in Minecraft, I could give you advice on that. But the temptation, because I'm an expert, but the temptation is for the priest to see himself as an expert in everything, and he's not. The one thing he needs to be expert in is listening to the spirit, mm-hmm. and in pastoral counseling, in confession, and in spiritual direction. Yes, he should be good at those things. But the advice giving you need to watch out for. And then realizing when someone needs uh, professional psychological help to help with all those things. Now, like I've met with people and they would bring to me stuff that they talked about in therapy. And then they would bring that, how it related to God, to spiritual direction. And I found that relationship incredibly, incredibly helpful. Because also there there were times like I'm talking to people and I'm saying, I'm trying to get a point across to them, but they just weren't biting sometimes it happens like you just don't listen like same sort of thing like you don't listen to your parents even when they're right but then they heard it from their counselor and then they were open again to spiritual direction so those two relationships work really really well to with each other if you can find that yeah it although it gets hard though too because i've had experiences where i've done spiritual direction for someone and someone has been seeing someone for counseling and then the counselor's starting to give them spiritual advice it's contrary to mine, right? Yeah, and it's like there that's been, no good. And there's been some times, or and I have to like try and resist saying this is a counseling. Like this is where I have to stop. I can't say, speak to this because this is counseling stuff, and it's not for me to say. But it's like, yeah. ha, like sometimes I've, I've had a couple times where I, like me and counselor have met with the person just so we could all be on the same page. Oh, okay. Yeah, if you have it, like if um if you have some like we we had someone we have someone at our cathedral who does counseling, and so she's able to. So I was able to work with her sometimes on some cases, right? With together, which was really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it, it gets to be hard when I think that's actually the danger of having a Catholic counselor in a way, because then they're going to bring the spiritual side into it, which can interfere with your spiritual director stuff. <laughs> it's a it's a tough balance, Maybe. folks. It's a tough balance. It's a tough balance. It's it's tough when we're dealing with the human person in this way yeah. to stay professional, mm-hmm. um, and that's why uh, you know every therapist also has seen a therapist before uh everyone who's doing spiritual direction should be seeing a spiritual director mm-hmm. so that we learn not to cross those lines yes exactly uh, so i think the big key is whoever you're gonna go to see you know um get recommendations find someone who's good if you can um yeah so just to wrap everything up i think the big point of like this episode is one to say hey yeah people deal with this and if us talking about it helps lessen the stigma, great. Um, and just kind of share that experience and kind of how we've experienced things. But if you're saying to yourself, 
oh, I think I have this problem, but all I need to do is listen to Clerically Speaking and I'll be all better. No, no, no. Go see someone professional uh, to figure out what's going on with you specifically. We're speaking in generalities and using our own common experience. Mm-hmm. So I don't want in any way anyone to avoid doing what they need to do to get healthy um, because of the podcast. Does that make sense, yes, Father Harrison? Absolutely. absolutely. Do you have any final thoughts? Nope. I think you right. spoke about it well. If only we knew someone who was more of an expert on this, like a layperson who could who does this as a profession. Hmm. Bummer we don't. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sad. And uh, on unrelated note, Tommy Ty, is, uh, he can't make it to the podcast today because he's doing something with his job, which I think is utterly unrelated to what we're talking about today. Uh, so bummer about that. Uh, but guys, thank you so much for listening. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me at Father Sharapa on Twitter. You can find me at Fr Harrison. Contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalPod on Twitter or email us at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. We're behind on our DMs. We're going to try to catch up when we can. Thanks, guys. Peace. God bless.